Praise the Lord, everybody, and welcome today to our study in the book of Revelation. Last week we concluded with the 17th chapter of Revelation, and we looked at Mystery Babylon, and we looked at the beast that she rode upon, as literally <clears throat> we discovered that Mystery Babylon will be... Uh, let, let me start again. Mystery Babylon has been... Uh, it's the spirit of false religion, the spirit of Babylon, the spirit that the word Babylon, if you look back uh, in the book of Genesis to the Tower of Babel, the word means confusion. And so we discovered that everywhere God is not is confusion and chaos. In this false religion of Revelation 17, it's pictured in Revelation 17. Uh, 17 was a parenthetical passage. Uh, explaining this situation, we found out that that false religion that has been here since the beginning uh, will be defeated at the midway point of the Great Tribulation by the Antichrist. He will literally foment his own religion, uh, fostered by demon spirits. We, we saw a brief picture of how demon spirits fight against themselves in, in order to accomplish the object, objective of the moment. We saw all of that in that chapter, and we took a look at the beast itself, which we told you it symbolized three things. There was three levels of meaning to the beast. Number one, the beast is the Antichrist. Number two, the beast is a supernatural prince spirit, evil spirit, demonic spirit. And number three, the beast is an empire. And so we looked at all of that last week. Again, I want to apologize with some of the health issues that I've had from about chapter 13 until through about Revelation 17 part 1. Uh, there were some struggles that I had to work to overcome to present that material. And uh, But God is good and we are definitely feeling the touch of the Lord in our body. And uh, all things are good in Jesus' name. God is good. What He gives, all His gifts are good. The life we live as believers following Jesus Christ is good. And th this is a good day to be alive. Amen. And it's a good day to study Revelation chapter 18. Now we're moving into the 18th chapter, which is a second look at this word Babylon. Again, Babylon meaning ancient, Babylon meaning confusion, Babylon meaning chaos. And this is the great commerce chapter. Commercial Babylon, uh, business Babylon, political Babylon, literal Babylon. But I want to throw a couple things at you at the beginning of this. Again, there are many levels of meaning to the symbolism. And so even though we are talking about a literal city, Babylon, that which we are going to discover in the 18th chapter of the book of Revelation could easily apply to any city of the world dominated and controlled by the spirit of commerce and especially when you consider that we live on a fallen planet and so everything that man 
puts together, especially man without Christ, has the mark of the sinful nature on it. It has the, it has the mark of Babylon upon it. And the ways of man are clearly evil from his birth until his death, and only Jesus Christ can change that. Okay? So, <clears throat> I'm not planning to spend a whole lot of time, effort, and energy into uh, telling uh, where I think this city may be located. I'm not going to guess. I'm not going to say it's New York. I'm not going to say it's ancient Babylon. I'm not going to say whatever. I'm going to take the Scripture verbatim literally, and we're going to try to teach through this chapter with that in mind. Could some of this apply to New York? Oh yeah. How about Los Angeles, Brother Len? Absolutely. You know, it could apply to Beijing. It could apply, I mean, to the cities that themselves that are built upon the sin nature. Fallen man, this applies. And so, at its base level is what we see written here. It's first level. And there are other levels of meaning. And I would again encourage you to study these things for yourself and to see what the Lord shows you. Uh, always, 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 anytime people claim that the Lord has shown them this or the Lord has shown them that, it must line up with the Word of God. And, <clears throat> well, you know, I've often said this, whether I consider you're right or you're wrong, if, it, if there is a scriptural basis for what you're saying, maybe you're looking at it slightly differently than I do, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm fine with that. And you and I can walk together. As long as you are solid on the essentials of the faith. In some few weeks, we're going to attempt to do a short mini-series on what is fundamentalism. What, what are the fundamentals of the faith? And I believe that will be very interesting to you as well. And so today, we're going to start with the first three verses of Revelation 18. The destruction of literal Babylon revealed in detail. Also, there are prophecies in the Old Testament relating to some of the judgment of Babylon by the Medes in biblical history. But this chapter concern, concerns her future destiny, which will involve a thorough destruction. Okay, so some of what you read uh, in the prophets of old were predicting their destruction by the Medes in ancient times. And they predicted it before it happened. Some of them taught from it after the fact. But what we're reading here today is all yet future. Praise God. So with that in mind, uh, Revelation 18, verses 1 through 3. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit, in the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Now, let me say this to you. 
One of the greatest temptations that has ever been known to man in all of time and history has been the temptation of wealth, of riches, and of ill-gotten gain. Somebody asked me the other day, as I had done a message on sowing and reaping in the great state of Virginia the last time that I was there, last July, and they asked me, do you believe that the Bible teaches prosperity? And my answer to that is yes and no. The Bible looks at the topic of money from the perspective of all angles. I mean, the Bible leaves no stone unturned as it deals with money, as it deals with riches, as it deals with prosperity. And there is, in the heart of God, a desire to see people have enough to eat, have something to wear, the basic necessities of life. And there's something in the heart of Father God who loves to bless His children with some things that they want in life as well. And so in the aggregate sense, yes, God does teach prosperity. God does not teach prosperity in the way that the modern gospel preachers of prosperity preach it, however. And there's many abuses to the true promises of God that's taken place in the church today. But God is a blesser. God wants you to have enough. God wants you to have enough to give to others. Glory to God. We are living for the benefit of others as Christ followers in the kingdom of God on the earth today. We should be anyway, living to bless people, to help them come to know Jesus, to help them live for Jesus every day, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to visit the prisoner. All of this is involved in being a real Christian. I mean, if you're not involved in any of those things, then you may need to go back to the altar of repentance, can you say, man? Because the mark of a, of a true Christian, not somebody who's joined a, a club, you know, not somebody who just signed their name to the role, but a true Christian is moved by God to be of benefit to others. Hallelujah. I believe with all my heart that real Christians go to church. Real Christians pay their tithe. Real Christians give offerings over and above the tithe. Real Christians pray for the sick. Read the Great Commission in the book of Mark. Real Christians walk in the compassion of Jesus and live for Jesus. Real Christians are not on this quest for knowledge about the Bible or about prophecy or about the moon or... Real Christians live for Jesus. Hallelujah. They care about the whole Bible. They want to live in the whole Bible. They want to minister it to others. Hallelujah. They want to be a witness for Jesus to their families, where they work, where they play, where they go to school. Hallelujah. So the Bible paints a picture of what is a Christian. Can you say amen? But the Bible does not in any capacity, anywhere, promote self. And that's the problem 
with today's modern gospel of greed. It pampers the sinful nature of man. And so today, receive God's blessings for yourself. Yes, absolutely. Share God's blessings with others and give thanks because God is good. Can I get a witness? Hallelujah. The first statement in this chapter, <clears throat> after these things, this, this means after the Lord had explained to him the, the revelation of the great whore, Mystery Babylon, and the beast of Revelation 17 in its threefold aspect, uh, which we discussed. The, the previous chapter, uh, chapter 17, is a complete revelation in itself. And chapter 18 here deals with literal Babylon in detail. The reason for the fall of Babylon is seen in this very first section of scriptures that we read. It says she will become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul bird and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. It, it portrays Babylon at the very center of demonic powers. That's what you're seeing there. You remember when Abraham would offer a sacrifice to the Lord and while he was getting it ready and preparing the sacrifice, how many of you know today that tithing and giving is more than bucket plunking? <laughs> how many of you know it's more than throwing money at a preacher? Hey, tithing and giving is done with the heart. It's done with the mouth. It's done with prayer and fasting. and There has to be preparation forgiving of a sacrifice. And when Abraham was getting ready, he had to, what did the Scripture say? He had to beat off the birds of prey, symbolic of demon spirits, trying to steal and thwart the sacrifice. So when we see these foul birds and detestable things, Babylon is the very center of demon powers. It's a place that will foster every imaginable wickedness known to man. Other nations will share in her evil indulgences. Luxury abounds and illicit relationships with kings and with nations are prevalent. Demonic worship will be practiced even as it exists in some areas of the world today. Remember I told you that spirit of false religion has never left. It has never left. In some places, men will bow down to images. And Babylon is a place where people partake of spiritual fornication. And read Jeremiah 51 verse 7. Babylon. Babylon. Literal? Yes. Place, yes, also descriptive of every wicked and abominable place. And so you can allow the Holy Spirit to attach some definitions to that as you ponder these things. Now we come to verse 4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Reward her, even as she rewarded you, and double unto her, double according to her works. In the cup which she hath filled, fill to her double. 
Hallelujah. How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit as a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day. Death, mourning, and famine. And she shall be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. Shikalabaha. That's amazing. That is amazing. Another voice speaking in this passage. It could be the voice of God because some of the people are referred to as my people. There is a command for God's people to get out of that place. You can read about it in Jeremiah 50, verses 4 through 9, and Jeremiah 51, verses 5 through 8. And also in verse 45. They were to leave and separate themselves from the sins of the city and of the plagues that would follow. Babylon will be morally corrupt. Not only spiritually filthy, but morally corrupt. And as a result, the plagues will be sent. You think of it. She must partake of the same destruction and drink of the same cup that she has imposed upon others. There will be torment and sorrow. Jeremiah 51.24 Isaiah 47.8-11 She has been living in luxury and pride and gross evil and sin and wickedness and the verdict will come suddenly in one hour and it will come surely. This destruction will be so exhaustive that the city will virtually vanish off the face of the earth. And there will be no further involvement with Babylon. Isaiah 13, verses 19 through 22. Jeremiah 50, verse 13 and verse 39. And verse 40. Jeremiah 50, uh, yeah, Jeremiah 51, 29. Also verse 37, also verse 43. This is yet to have been fulfilled, so it must still be in the future. The judgment here is different than that which is pronounced on the Babylon in the 17th chapter, which was Mystery Babylon. That was a judgment pronounced on the religious spirit, the spirits of false religion known as Mystery Babylon. So now we come to verse 9, and we have a long passage of description here as we read. So let's start. We'll try to read it slow, but we want to move right along so that we can get done with this 18th chapter in this session. And I'll get a drink of water. We'll go to her here. <clears throat> the section that we're about to read is, is the lament over the destruction of Babylon. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning. This could come in a, a myriad of different ways. This could come through a nuclear holocaust type situation. Uh, the ravage of a war that's taking place in the proximity at that time. Or this could come as an actual direct judgment from the hand of God. And in some ways, I, to I sort of toward to lean to that. Uh, uh, I sort of lean to that explanation that God Almighty, in whatever manner that He chooses to use, is going to bring destructive judgment to Babylon in one hour. 
Pastor David Wilkerson once preached a message. And it's a warning, not just for a literal city named Babylon, but for any city who has embraced the spirit of Babylon. It's a warning that says, in one hour, everything is going to change. I want you to think of that. What if in one hour, the whole world as we know it, changed? What if all the power went down? What if the computers went out? What if your money was all of a sudden worthless in an hour? What if all of a sudden meteorites started slamming into planet earth in one hour? With no warning. And here we are. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, you had better be rooted and grounded in Christ Jesus in the times that we're living in today. Because God prophesied these things and they will come to pass. And if we're close to seeing this type of stuff, how much closer even would the rapture be? So let's be ready to go. Hallelujah. Let's be ready because very shortly, like a thief in the night, glory be to God, our feet will lift up off the ground. Hallelujah. And Jesus will beckon to us. Ha, he will say, come up hither, hallelujah. Come away with me, my fair one. Come away with me, my love. And we will instantly be in the presence of the Lord forever and forever. And we need to comfort one another with those words. We need to encourage Christians in the race. Hang in there. Don't quit. Don't give up. You're going to make it. Hallelujah. It's called the rapture of the church, my friend. And it's the next great event on the horizon of prophetic time. Now here, they're lamenting over the destruction of Babylon that takes place close to the end of the Great Tribulation. Standing far off for the fear of her torment. Just that word, that phrase right there lets me know that this is probably a judgment of God. Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour, in one hour, is thy judgment come. And that could be said of every human being. How many reports have we heard of a person Walking along, going through life, living, eating and drinking and sleeping and working, and all of a sudden, in one hour, there comes a a day, there comes a moment, there comes a time, there comes an hour. He steps into that moment, and he falls to the ground, and he's gone. How many? How many of those stories have we heard? How many times have we seen it even in our own lives and families and and friends that we have in their lives? We have no promise of tomorrow. And so we best make it right today. We best make it right with Jesus and give our hearts to Christ. Repent of our sins as as the Lord brings them to us. Keep short accounts with God. This city of Babylon, which could represent many, many peoples in many, many places, in one hour, thy judgment has come. 
the very moment that we close our eyes in death, if we are saved, we stand in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and we will hear, Welcome home, thou good and faithful servant. The very minute that the unbeliever closes their eyes in death, instantly they are in hell. Instantly they are in the torment of dying in their sins. And once you get that place, once you get to that place, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. There's no such thing as purgatory. Once you get to that place, there is no second chances after death. Hear me, my beloved. There are no chances in the grave. Man's spiritual destiny is sealed just as here towards the end of the Great Tribulation in Revelation chapter 18, Babylon's judgment was sealed in one hour. Is thy judgment come? And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her. For no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all thion wood and all manner of vessels of ivory and all manner of vessels of most precious wood and of brass, iron, marble, cinnamon, odors, ointments, frankincense, wine, oil and fine flour and wheat and beasts and sheep and horses and chariots and slaves and souls of men. Do you realize today do you realize that the deep state as it is coined, as it is termed traffics in the souls of men. We look at a world that has been overrun by sex trafficking. We see a drug culture that's out of control and in many cases the officials know who's doing it, how they're doing it, where they're doing it, but they don't stop them because of deep state connections. They're literally trafficking. Look at the, the, the horrible abominations of passing our children through the arms of Moloch. And you understand what I'm saying. But because of deep state connections, these merchandisers in the souls of men who will stomp all over the poor and needy, they will crush those precious victims of those drugs and they think not a thing about it because they're enriching themselves with that ill-gotten money. It's the spirit of the devil. It's the spirit. The ancient spirits of Babylon are at work in our world today. And oh, how they are at work. They traffic in the souls of men. They enslave mankind into bondages. They know what's happening, but they refuse to stop it because it's their bread and butter. And it fosters their agendas. God is going to judge this. God is going to put a stop to this. And for Babylon here in Revelation 18, 
it happens at the end of the great tribulation. And the fruits of thy, the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee. You remember all those good things you traded your soul, you traded Jesus so that you could have this or that or the other, you're going to lose it. Whatever you trade God for, you're going to lose. You better hear me. And all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. Life at this point in the great tribulation is going to be a veritable hell upon earth. The merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off for fear of her torment and weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet decked with gold, precious stones and pearls for in one hour, in one hour, in one hour, so great riches is come to naught. And every shipmaster, and all the company and ships and sailors, and as many as trade by sea stood afar off, and cried, they cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, and they said, What city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city, wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness, for in one hour is she made desolate. How many times in that passage? Revelation 18, 9 through 19, does it say in one hour? At least three times. God is driving home the point. Prophetically, it speaks of Babylon at the end of the Great Tribulation. Practically, it speaks to every one of us. Life is short and, and the end comes swiftly. And so as I said before, we are encouraged as Christ followers to keep short accounts with God. None of us can walk right and live right without the help of the Holy Spirit. And so we pray constantly for Him to be with us, to lead us, to guide us, to teach us, to show us how to treat people, how to live right, how to live well in Jesus. Amen? Because we not, it, it is a swift thing. And Babylon here in the 18th chapter of Revelation, her judgment will be swift. There will be a great lament over the destruction of Babylon by the kings of the earth. Having been a party with her sin and with her evil, they will be aware of this destruction and see the smoke of her burning. And they express great sorrow. This clear and literal explanation could hardly have reference to anything other than a material city whose inhabitants are destroyed and over whose fate interested observers grieve. When Mystery Babylon was destroyed, the kings were freely bestowing their wrath on her. This situation is completely different, indicating further that the two Babylons are indeed uh, uh, different aspects, uh, different entities. One was mystery, one was religious, ecclesiastical. This is commercial, this is money, this is greed, both together 
encompassing the totality of the sinful nature of human beings. These kings will rejoice over the fall of mystery Babylon, but will lament over the destruction of literal Babylon, with whom they have been involved in luxury and fornication. People will see this city, they will stand afar off during the time of the great earthquake under the seventh vial. So it's at this time, you'll read of that in Revelation 16, uh, verses 17 through 21. Under the seventh vial, there's a great earthquake. It happens at the time of the destruction of literal Babylon, and the people who are observing the destruction of Babylon will begin to reel under that earthquake. All hell's breaking loose. Chaos is everywhere. The judgment of God is here. That's the picture it's presenting to us. This judgment is supernatural in nature and will be fully recognized as being from God. So, I personally don't believe this is a nuclear war. I don't believe it has anything to do with human weaponry. I believe this particular time of the judgment of Babylon is a direct judgment of God. Babylon, a city of rich commerce, the merchants of the earth weeping and lamenting over her. A list of merchandise sold and bought in this area was contained in those scriptures we read. About 30 items are named, most of which are luxuries. Babylon was somewhat of a crossroads, and because of her location it became a great trading point with whom nations of the world were deeply involved. And although the judgment is recognized as being from God, this can only have reference to a literal place at the time and not a system. A religious system would not control the markets in and of itself as the Antichrist will do and as his kingdom will do in the last days. Revela uh, yeah, Revelation 18, 11 through 18. And then there's another group, the maritime world, pictured as crying over the destruction of Babylon. These ship owners and sailors who traded by sea realize that sudden, ju sudden judgment has just come from heaven. As they see her burning, they weep and wail. For in one hour, her riches are come to naught. You can compare what we just read with Isaiah 47.11 and Jeremiah 50.26 and Jeremiah 51 verse 8. Clearly this is a destruction that comes on a literal city. Now we come to verse 20. <clears throat> and it says, Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. Wow. So there it comes right out and says, This was the vengeance of God on the prophets of God. This was him taking vengeance for, he took vengeance on Babylon for the prophets of God. And remember I told you, again, we're dealing with the literal city here, but the spirits of Babylon that are ancient spirits that have been in the earth since before time began, and we won't go into the pre-Adamite situation in these lessons, but those ancient spirits are the ones that have caused people, manipulated, caused deceived into whatever you want to say into murdering 
the true prophets of Almighty God. And here we see a direct hit taken because of it. This is exciting stuff to know because sometimes people wonder, God, you know, when are you going to make things right? We read it to you in an earlier chapter of Revelation where the tribulation martyrs were crying out, God, how long before you avenge our blood? God, you, we know that you know that what they did to us wasn't right. And God, we, we just wanted to show them love. We just wanted to preach to them Christ. We just wanted to do the right thing. And we suffered joyfully the spoiling of our goods. And, and, and we did our best, Lord, to walk after the Holy Spirit. When are you going to avenge us? And here it is in the Great Tribulation period. Wow. It's an amazing thing. But God has not forgotten one injustice. God has not forgotten one murder of the godly. God has not forgotten any of the killing of the innocent. God has not forgotten those who have shook their fist in His face days without number. God has not forgotten. God has not forgotten. Hallelujah. Anything that we did before we were saved, God has forgotten that because it was washed away by the blood of Jesus. But I'm talking for the world as a whole, for evil, wicked humanity, God does not forget. <clears throat> and it would benefit us to look at these verses. And it doesn't... It's going to sound strange. And it's going to sound kind of holy, I know. It, it took me a few years to get to this place. But the first thing I think of when I read passages like this is to pray that people will come to repentance before this gets here. Because as I said, man, everything the child of God did before they got saved it's gone. God don't remember it because He washed it away with the blood of Jesus Christ. But there will come an hour. One way or another, in one scenario or another, there will come an hour when there will be no more washing away. And that's a staggering thought indeed. So let's go on to the cause of the utter doom of Babylon, and that will close out this chapter. We will read Revelation 18, verses 21 through 24. And the mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus, with violence, shall that great city Babylon be thrown down. Listen to that. And shall be found no more at all. And the voice of harpers and musicians and of pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee. And no craftsman of whatsoever craft he be shall be found any more in thee. And the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. And the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee, for thy merchants were the great men of the earth. For by thy sorcery were all nations deceived. Now, you, now look at that right there. 
some of these people that we think today are these great men of the earth. Boy, howdy, are they rich. Boy, do they set the fashion statement for the year. We could go on and on and on in a litany. Do you realize today, this is kind of off the subject, but do you realize how much of America today looks to these silly actors and actresses to get their information and even how they feel about things? They, they look to these stupid rock musicians and all of these idols of Satan. They set the stage. They set policy. I mean, you've got, you've got just a few places where these nuts are at that tries to set policy for the whole nation of America. I could absolutely care less, less what some Hollywood actor or actress feels about anything. I could absolutely care less. Lest, I'm talking too fast here. I'm excited about this. I could absolutely care less what some old football player has to say about anything. And I flat out don't care. If you don't want to stand for the national anthem of America, then you get out of the ballpark. You get off the team. You sit down on the sidelines until the game is over, whatever the case might be. And you give back your salary. Oh, I'm doing this for social justice. Well, why don't you take all of your salary and go out and promote some social justice? These places are filled with rebel rousers. And their only goal is to stamp on anything that is God. I could care less what they say. Look at what this says. You say, oh, that's a little harsh, Brother Paxton. Well, it's nothing compared to this. Thy merchants were the great men of the earth, for by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. It's an ancient spirit, my friend. The spirit of hell. And in her was found the blood of the prophets, and of saints, and of all that were slain upon the earth. It could truly be said, my friends, that the sin nature is why every war has ever been fought. whether the direct or indirect cause of it. We fought a war of independence called the Revolutionary War. We had to fight that war to be free, but it was the sinful nature of greed in the other party. Now we're friends with you. Hallelujah. But it's that sin nature of greed that wanted those taxes, that wanted to grind our face in the dirt that prompted that war. So one side or the other, war is always caused. The slaying of men in the earth is always caused by the sin nature. And it's encouraged by demonic spirits. Always. This is the culmination here in Revelation 18 of the judgment of that. Hallelujah to God. I'm going to tell you, God's going to set things right. God's going to make things right. Glory be to God. The utter destruction of Babylon is seen as being extremely violent. The example is one of an angel taking a great stone and casting it into the sea and saying that thus Babylon would be thrown down and found no more at all. You think of it. Six times it is repeated that Babylon 
will be no more at all and not even found. Referring to an absolute and total destruction of the city. Babylon will have been rebuilt prior to this, but when it is destroyed, this time under the seventh vial of Revelation, it will be utterly ruined and made desolate forever and never rebuilt. Babylon will apparently be a concentration for martyrdoms and a terrible reign of terror will exist. As a result, the final destruction will bring to a climax the wrath of God on Babylon under the seventh vial that we read about in the book of Revelation. So as we close, thank God, thank God for all that God has shown us from the book of Revelation. As we close, I want to repeat a few things. We, we, we first saw the seven seals. And when each seal was opened, an event was described. The last seal was opened, and the first trumpet came of seven trumpets. And when each trumpet blew, a scene was described. Then we have the vials. And when the vials were poured out, a scene of judgment was described. And all of these judgments were the judgment of God. Now, we see at the same time there are wars going on between nations on the earth. Demonically inspired wars. But the judgments that come as the result of the, the pouring out is always a judgment of God. And so that's why we read about those actual vials, I think it was back in Revelation 16, when the vials were being poured out, if I'm not mistaken. And we see here in chapter 18, we're looking at the final fulfillment of the seventh vial. So we have basically done what we set out to do when we started this, was to present an outline of the book of Revelation, at least thus far, coming into our next study, which will be chapter 19. So I want to reiterate again as, a, as we close this session today, sort of what we have tried to do with this study. And we're not done. We've got 19, 20, 21, and 22 left. Uh, and I've told you this many, many times, the weight of this task is so intense and there's so much that we could talk about. I'm just trying to outline the basic high points of Revelation and I'm trying to give a few of the meanings of the words as we go along. The main thing is, and what started this so many, many, well really a couple years ago now, was partners asking, can we read the book of Revelation together and will you make some comments? And so we have, up to this point, and we'll continue, to read every single verse of the book of Revelation. And we are making comment as the Holy Spirit inspires to try, not to try, I can't do this, the Holy Spirit has to bring enlightenment to our hearts and drive the word home. And that's the whole purpose for this. I'm, I'm not here to present every possible scenario as to how these things may or may not take place. We've done a little bit of that. <clears throat> In the future, we will do some more of that. But for this study, 
we want to hit the high point. So in the next chapter, chapter 19, we're going to read every verse, hallelujah, together, you and me, partners of the ministry, friends of the ministry, viewers, listeners, supporters, we're going to read it, and we're going to let the Holy Spirit have His way as to the comment that we make upon it. Not crossing every T and dotting every I. We'd be here, you know, each chapter would probably take a year to teach if we tried to delve into every nuance of meaning. But we're definitely interested in this book. In my personal times of Bible study, uh, it's been up a little bit lately in pre preparation for this series. I study Bible prophecy probably about 30% of the time now as I've been preparing for this and future series that are coming. So 30% of the time I study prophecy. There's a whole big Bible there, and every single subject deserves our attention. So don't get hung up on just prophecy, or just faith, or just healing, or miracles, or anything. Take the whole Word of God. And I want to encourage you as we get ready to close this session today, because I care about your soul. I care about the way God wants to work in your life. So I want to encourage you today to please, please, please go to church on Sunday. Don't watch TV church on Sunday morning. Go to church. Watch TV church later, another time. That's what it's there for. It was never there to take the place of the house of God. If for no other reason, and there should be many reasons why you would want to go to church. I mean, you're saved, aren't you? There should be many reasons, but for one reason, we're going to need each other. Even the more, as we see the day approaching, so forsake not the assembling of yourselves and encourage each other in the Lord with these words. And I just pulled from several scriptures the absolute truth of it. Every single place that Paul visited that gave us our New Testament and the New Covenant in Jesus Christ, every single place he went, he went to a church. He went to the church. He didn't go hang out with each individual Christian believer. He went and you were required to come gather. It's still that way today, folks. It's never changed. So let me encourage you there. Also, let me encourage you to make daily prayer and Bible reading a faithful habit in your life. Every single day. Pursue righteousness. Pursue Christ. Pursue Jesus. Things are going to intensify in the next several months should Jesus tarry. It's going to intensify to such a degree you're going to need to know the Word. You're going to need to know the book. And not so you can point the finger at people who are other than you, but so that you can feed your spirit man and have guidance and leadership. And that comes through the local church and it comes through the Holy Spirit together, working in tandem. So know the book. Pray every day. And prayer is just talking to God, just communication every day. All through the day, man, you can be talking to God. So you don't have to, 
you know, find a closet to go hide in or take two hours off of work to have intercession. You can be interceding while you're working. Glory be to God. And another thing I want to encourage you in today as a Christ follower is to begin to think in terms of living for the benefit of others. Because there are others that need to hear this message. There are others that need what Jesus has offered. There are so many today that are lost and on their way to hell. God wants to use your life and you need to have a heart to hear God when He speaks to you about doing something for somebody else. And even some of the most simplest acts of kindness in the natural world and in the material world can open someone's heart and soften it for the gospel message to penetrate. So be available. I guess that's a good word to say. Be available for anything that God might want to use you for. Don't be selfish. Don't be greedy. Don't worry. Trust God. This is going to start heating up very, very fast. I actually believe that 2020 <clears throat> is a pivotal year for all aspects of Bible prophecy and thusly all aspects of the Christian life. Let me ask you this. If you're not faithful to do what God has said, and we've talked just about a few of them, uh, God said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together in church. And he, even more so as you see the day approaching. God said, study to show thyself approved unto God. And read the word, you know, so that, that you can rightly divide the word of truth. Understand it correctly. God said, pray without ceasing. God said, give to him that asketh of thee. All of these things that I mentioned here by way of encouragement to you at the close of this lesson, if, if you're not faithful to do what God has told you to do, how do you expect that God's going to reveal His Word to you just because you stay home and you study the Word of God or, or you do this or you do that, but you really don't have that heart for missions and you, you really don't have that heart for people? God is not going to reveal even these prophetic truths to you in their fullness or in the way that He could if you were obedient. I mean, God loves you, and so He's going to reveal things to you every single day, every single waking, breathing moment. Absolutely. But think of what He could do with the person who is obedient. Glory to God! Think of how He could use your life to change this world, to change your community, to change your church, to change your family. Think of how God could use you if only you would be obedient and faithful. God never asked you to dream up what you thought about these subjects. God told you to obey what He thinks, what He says about these things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God never asked me if I thought it would be alright if I helped some hungry people eat. He told me to go do it. Well, I don't have a lot right now. Will you find a way? God will give it to you. The Bible says that God provides seed to the sower. God is the one who gives us faith. So, 
It's not up to me to go work up a bunch of faith out here. God's the one who gives it. Because these days that we studied about right here today, they're very important. And they're coming soon. And they're coming quickly. We talked about that word shortly. The things which must shortly come to pass early in our study of Revelation. And that word shortly means, basically it means when they start, they're going to happen in rapid succession. We're at the door today, people. We are at the door. And so I just want to encourage you. I love you. I say these things and I pray these things for you because I care about your soul and I care about the soul of your loved ones and I care about souls, period. And church, it's our job to spread this gospel. It's our job to see to it that we allow the Holy Spirit to conform our lives to the image of Christ and that we become obedient and faithful to God in the days that we're living in. Hallelujah! I'll tell you, I'm excited about it. 2020 is going to be a remarkable year. 2020 is going to be an amazing year. 2020 is going to be a stupendous year. And we're going to see the glory of God. And the closer you can get to Jesus, hallelujah, by following His Holy Spirit, which in turn will produce obedience in you and faithfulness in you and trustworthiness in you and accountability in you, the closer you get to Jesus, the more of that glory you're going to be able to handle and the more of it you're going to see as God begins to do miracles on the earth. <laughs> because He knows that very soon the trumpet's going to sound and Jesus Christ is coming back. Hallelujah to God. So he says, what's just happened here, Brother Paxton? Well, at the end of our teaching today, God began to put a prophetic spirit upon me. Shikalabahaya. I've been reading some of your mail, I know that, but I've also just imparted things if you'll just receive it. Just receive it from the Holy Spirit right now as He has shown you the way to be a part of God's end time miracle program. Miracles in the lives of others. I'm not talking about one specific kind of miracle. It's a miracle anytime anybody gets born again. It's a miracle to get some of you to share your faith. And here, here's something I want to say. Oh, Chica Labasita, what is that? Jesus, Jesus. Here's something I want to say about that. Some of you are over worried about how you share your faith. Oh, you don't want to offend this person. You're afraid that if you offend him, you might drive him further away. The Spirit of the Lord saith to thee this day. He says to you this day, sometimes people need to be offended in their mind. Sometimes people need to be offended in their eyes and in their minds so that they can receive later in their hearts. Glory be to God. Sometimes God will offend your mind to reveal your heart. Sometimes God will send an offense into somebody's life and they'll get mad about it and they'll tell you, I hate what you're preaching. I hate God. But really on the inside, they are under Holy Ghost conviction. And that will bring about their salvation later on down the road. 
just by watching you stand for the truth. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'll tell you that the Holy Ghost is all over me right now. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, don't overly strategize your witnessing and your soul winning. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but it's the truth. Let God lead you in the moment. And stand boldly for the truth. In love, but boldly, God has won just as many people who have watched their Christian friends stand for the truth without compromise. God has won more of those people eventually and ultimately than have been driven away. People who are going to be driven away have hardened hearts and they're going to be driven away. God will keep trying, but there's nothing you can do about somebody's hardened heart. Just let the Holy Spirit lead you. There's time for a soft word and there's times for a hard, strong word. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. And that's the only and the best way that I know how to put it. But again, 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 God's people, listen to Brother Paxton as I close. We must be obedient and be faithful to what God has commanded us to do in the Word. We can only do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. But if He commands it, don't you think He's going to give you the Holy Spirit power to obey? So tell your brain and tell your flesh to sit down and shut up. And let the Holy Spirit live big in you. Hallelujah. He'll march you right into obedience. He'll march you right into faithfulness. Hallelujah. You know why some people preach against these gifts of the Spirit that's going on in this place right now? Some people preach against it because it scares them. Some people preach against it because they're rebellious and they don't want to be told what to do by anything or anybody. But I'll tell you right now, I'm speaking under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And I just pray, I pray, that everyone under the sound of my voice will rise up big in Jesus today. Father, move us forward in faith. Move us forward in obedience. Move us forward in faithfulness and trustworthiness. God, help us not to bury our talent. But God, when you come, may you find us doing what you have required of us to do. And Lord, we know that what you require of us to do, you equip us to do. And so God, we open ourselves up as open vessels today and we believe we receive power from on high. Power from the Holy Spirit to live our Christian lives. Help us to get better this year, Lord Jesus. Help us to go forward this year, Lord Jesus. We can't keep this just to ourselves. We've got to be where the happy and the blessed and the holy body of Jesus is. Send us this year, God, to where you can use our lives to touch this generation. And we ask this all today in Jesus' name. And everybody would say amen and amen. So thank you for being with us today for our study in Revelation chapter 18. And the Holy Spirit wanted to minister a little bit there after the teaching. And we, we just praise God. I'm so excited. I can hardly contain it at what I believe God's going to do this year.
and I, I'm not going to spend any more time detailing it now, but I'll tell you one thing, old partner, and you can rest assured, every single time, no matter what we're teaching, every single time if God moves upon me to flow in the Spirit like this, I'm going to do it because I want to be obedient. And I'm not going to let my thinking process get involved in it. You know, I, I, I'm just going to say what He puts in my heart to say at that moment. In that place. And I encourage you all to do the same thing too. Let the Holy Spirit move big within you. God loves you. There's a massive harvest of souls that is coming in right now even as we speak and will continue to increase as we go more towards the day of the rapture. Please, people of God, be ready. God has great things for your life. He has great things that He's called you to do in this end time miracle program of Jesus Christ. Amen? Till the next time you and I can come together and gather around the Word of God. We'll be studying Revelation 19 next. This is Evangelist Len Paxton saying, Go with God and He <clears throat> will go with you. Bless you.